Hello, 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 and welcome in to episode number 69, lucky number 69 of the Sports Kiki Podcast. My name, as always, is Alex Reamer. Thank you, as always, for listening. I hope you all enjoyed your Memorial Day weekends and you're enjoying the start of Pride. The one thing about following lots of gays on social media is you certainly will not forget that June is Pride Month. One trend I have been seeing that I'm kind of curious to try myself as I've seen some gays post their Venmos on Twitter. It's Pride Month Venmo me. Uh, I'm not quite sure how much that would work for me. I guess it's kind of what my Substack was when I was freelancing and doing that regularly, though I tried to give you content at least for your monthly subscription. So maybe that's something I'll try. Maybe we'll do a fundraiser at one point here on the podcast throughout June. I should mention, if you are interested in sending me free money, my Venmo is at Alex underscore Reamer. I think that's it. You can just search my name too. I'm happy to accept any free money that people want to give me. So I I do want to throw that out there. Um, I have a few notes to run through on the show today. It is a solo edition of the Sports Kiki podcast. We have some LGBTQ sports news to get to, including a big story that is going to probably uh, unravel at some point this weekend. And then I want to talk in general about the concept of pride and whether it's becoming too corporate. There's been always, there always is a lot of debate about that. This year, no exception with New York City, the Heritage of Pride organization there, barring officers from marching in uniform through 2025. So though The parade this year is virtual, and the festivities this year are once again largely virtual Uh, through 2025 means, well, next year, when hopefully the parade will be back to being the parade we've always known it to be, meaning in person, uh, the police, gay police officers, LGBTQ police officers will not be allowed to march in their uniforms. So I do have a take, a few takes on that. But let's start with the breaking sports news. It's going going to unravel this weekend. Uh, The U.S. men's national soccer team is facing Mexico in a big match this Sunday in Denver, Colorado. Now, this is going to be a big story, and we've covered it at OutSports. Sid Ziegler's done a great job all over this one. Due to the anti-gay chants that continue to be a prevalent part of soccer matches in Mexico, including the Mexican national team's matches. The fans cannot stop chanting the word puto, which means male prostitute in Spanish. We talked about this story about a month ago on the show with Jeff Reuter, who is uh, a soccer writer for The Athletic. Sebastian Letjet is a player for the U.S. men's national team who was suspended again about a month ago, maybe a little longer than that, for jokingly calling one of his teammates a puto and posting the video on Instagram like an idiot. But uh, he's been very apologetic. We've had a lot of correspondence with him at OutSports since then. And he says he's committed to doing better and making a change and stopping the spread of casual homophobia. So we'll see if if his actions live up to his words. But so far, I mean, FIFA's actions here and the international soccer community's actions have not lived up to their words because despite them saying how much they want to eradicate this chant, how much they want to eradicate anti-gay slurs from their stadiums across the world, uh, the Mexican soccer fans keep chanting this and the punishments remain far too light and obviously ineffective because this keeps happening. So let's just go back two days ago to Thursday. 
Mexico was taking on Costa Rica. They won on penalty kicks 5-4, to four, but the match was halted because, once again, Mexican fans cannot resist chanting down, uh, chanting this word, puto. And they were also doing this at Mile High Stadium in Denver. And, of course, Sunday, the U.S. plays. It'll be much, many more eyes will be on this match. And it's just, uh, it's, it's a thorny issue. And I think it's going to blow up because there are anti-discrimination laws in place in Colorado. And these laws are very, very clear. Let me read, and Sid Ziegler had this in his article, uh, the Colorado Law on Discrimination in Places of Public Accommodation. It states, It is a discriminatory practice and unlawful to refuse, withhold from, or deny to an individual or group because of sex or sexual orientation the full and equal enjoyment of the goods, services, facilities, privileges, advantages, or accommodation of a place of public accommodation. So, there's no doubt that the location of this match is a place of soccer accommodation and thus subject to Colorado's anti-discrimination law. And beyond FIFA rules, it will be unlawful for the match to be held when groups of fans are chanting gay slurs. So, we'll see what happens. According to this law, Colorado state law, that when Puto, if and when it's chanted this Sunday, U.S.-Mexico, it says that the match should be halted. And if the chanting continues... Some more drastic measures seem like they would be in order. Clearing the stadium, abandoning the match. So we'll see what will happen. It'll be a seminal moment, U.S. and Mexico on Sunday, as to whether international soccer is willing to take the handling of this puto chant to the next level beyond just some brief pauses in the match that we've tried before, and obviously it has been very ineffective. So this all comes to a head on Sunday. Right in the middle of Pride Month, we'll wait and see what happens, and we'll be covering it at OutSports, and that's why Pride Month and Pride celebrations in sports are so important, because even in 2021, stuff like this is still happening. And it's hard to fathom if you're not paying close attention to it like we are, because you look on the surface and you see every pro sports league change its logo to the rainbow flag, teams wearing pride jerseys during pregame warmups, and the Giants are taking the step of wearing their rainbow caps on the field this weekend, the first Major League Baseball team to ever do that. So you look at it and go, well, what's the problem? I mean, sports cannot be more inclusive towards LGBTQ people, and in the corporate sense, in terms of issuing press releases and changing social media avatars, that's definitely true. But you still look at the comments whenever these leagues change an avatar or when a team like the 49ers announces a gender-neutral clothing line. And you see a lot of support, no doubt, but you also still see some pushback. I mean, you just look at the NFL on Instagram on June 1st to commemorate Pride Month posted the NFL shield in the rainbow colors, along with the trans pride colors as well, white, light blue, and pink, which is very important given the assault on trans athletes we see across the country. And we saw it to kick off Pride Month with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signing that uh, anti-trans bill 
banning uh, uh, trans girls and women from participating in sports in Florida in accordance to their gender identity, which is just sickening and so despicable, the symbolism of it, for him to sign that law on June 1st. And Ron DeSantis is an example, and you're seeing this happen in Texas too, where you know, these these right-wing governors and legislatures that, you know, historically, not as right-wing as the public perception would want people to think. Like, Florida, up until this week, did not pass an anti-LGBTQ law since 1997. So, uh, I'm not saying that, you know, it's been a bastion of tolerance down there on the state government level, but the reality has not really matched the perception. But now it is, because... For a million reasons, you're seeing these state legislatures in states that are becoming increasingly less Republican, by the way. Certainly, Texas, uh, is that's happening there. Uh, you're seeing them go further to the right. And as part of these ever-growing culture wars, we're seeing trans athletes, trans girls in particular, get dragged into it in nasty ways. But that's so important to see the NFL and all these leagues not just put the rainbow flag on their avatar, but the separate trans pride flag as well. Those colors being displayed right alongside the rainbow. That's very important. But as I was saying, on Instagram, just you peruse through the comments. We wrote this up on Outsports this week as well. You know, TF, Pride Month, what does that have to do with football? Uh, you know, use me as a dislike button. Someone wrote to 10,000 likes. And this is the month I unfollow and follow back when it's over. Another idiot wrote to 5,400 likes on Instagram, probably more by now. Uh, So why is pride important? Why is it important for sports teams and leagues to celebrate pride? Because we still have people like this who still don't want sports to be a welcoming place for LGBTQ people. So that's why we cover these issues and that's why we celebrate overwhelming support on social media, but still a lot of detractors as well. Unfortunately, the loudest voices just get amplified. Um, So the other big thing that I want to talk about this week, as I was saying, was the issue of Pride Month and whether it's becoming too corporate. Now, obviously, I'm not the first person who's ever spoken about this, but it has been an especially big story this week in this month due to what's been happening in New York City. Heritage of Pride is the group that runs the Pride Parade there. They ruled that uniformed police officers cannot march through the year 2025. So why did this change happen? Well, there is a group called the Reclaim Pride Coalition in New York, which is looking to make the Pride Parade itself return to its roots. We, of course, know that Pride spurned out of the Stonewall riots, uh, which were the epitome of a protest and a massive showing against police and police force. And over the last 50 years since then, we have seen Pride become completely corporatized, and one of the steps of that has been uniformed police officers, LGBTQ police officers, but uniformed police officers marching in the Heritage of Pride New York parade. So they got a lot of pushback this year, and they made the ruling right before Pride Month that through 2025... Uniformed police officers would not be welcome to march alongside others in the parade. So that's the ruling. It was overturned in a board meeting, but then it was put back into place. The overturn was vetoed. So that's where things stand in New York. 
in Boston, my home city, we have similar controversy surrounding Boston Pride. This past week, LGBTQ activists in Boston pushed for three high-profile mayoral candidates to drop out of Boston's Pride, Boston Pride's planned debate due to issues they have with that group and the lack of diversity. Last year, Boston Pride took a tepid stance regarding the Black Lives Matter protests to a lot of criticism. So, what do we make of all of this? Well, like most things in life, the truth is somewhere in the middle. Pride is commercially billed as a celebration. And that's what these parades are. They are a celebration. Pride is billed as a celebratory event. It is a time to frolic and play and laugh and be your best gay self. So that's why these parades are celebratory. Because that's what pride is billed as. I would also say that these parades are just one component of pride festivities. I mean, I would say in Boston, it is definitely one of the more G-rated components of Pride Month. You can't get into too much trouble with Citibank marching behind you. And yeah, it makes me roll my eyes a bit to see Ernst and Young, <laughs> you know, up there on the Pride floats and to see every Fortune 500 company in town up on the Pride floats to have block party tickets be sold for $50 or whatever the crazy price is. It's expensive. It's corporate. And in some of those respects, it's a bummer that it's just become totally turned over and a lot of the meaning from the original Pride has been lost in these events. So that's one part of it. But I also think that as LGBTQ acceptance becomes more and more mainstream, the commercialization of pride is inevitable. I mean, the LGBTQ community, as we know, is a pretty big market. And businesses want to make money. You know, the phrase woke capitalism, well, that's just like every other kind of capitalism. Woke capitalism is about making money. End of story. And all of these corporations have decided for years that, hey, we can make more money being pro-gay and pro-LGBTQ during Pride Month than not being pro-LGBTQ, so we're going to do that. And it's totally fair, and it's warranted to call out these corporations and these organizations and say, okay, you show up for us during Pride Month, you sponsor the float during the big parade, but what are you doing the other 11 months of the year? And what are you doing to really stand up for the marginalized people in our community? As we know, the LGBTQ community is far from homogenous. The experiences that I've had as a white cisgender gay man living in Massachusetts are far different than the experiences of a black trans woman living in the Deep South. So to just throw us together as part of one community and not differentiate between the subsets of the LGBTQ community is completely wrong and completely tone deaf. And to just act like, yeah, 
we can celebrate Pride in June and then kind of ignore all the issues year round, that's not going to fly. But I think that more and more people are saying that. You know, the shock of, wow, it's so great to see this sports team have the rainbow colors out on their Pride night. Or, wow, it's so great to see this big chain or this big company embrace Pride. I think the shock of that is now wearing off. And we're like, yes, you are doing this. We see you. We're happy about this. But what else are you doing besides the symbolism? What else are you doing besides participating in the good times with us? How are you helping, again, the more marginalized members of our community? So it is annoying. It is shallow when you see one part of Pride being recognized by these corporations and then the other parts of Pride and the community's needs being completely ignored. I totally get that. And it's something we need to pressure businesses to do. Uh, But to go back to my original point, the corporatization of pride is just unavoidable. It's, 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 It's already gone. And I've also said, not to defend business, but if they, with the mindset that businesses are going to want to make money, well, at least they can try to make money and do something savory, you know, promote some good causes. So it's not all bad. I'd much rather have corporations support pride than not support pride, but just supporting pride during June, of course, is not even close to being enough. And in terms of this ban in New York City on police officers, and we've had similar movements in Boston and other cities across the country, and the argument is that Again, marginalized members of our community feel threatened by the presence of law enforcement. And especially in New York, black people, black trans people have had uh, horrific experiences with the NYPD. And they feel threatened and unsafe when they see a uniformed officer marching behind, uh, beside them during Pride. And I totally, I mean, obviously, how can you argue against that? That's how people feel. That's what people have been discriminated against feel. That's their experience. I'm not in a position to tell them, no, no, that's not, that's not true. That's not the way to feel. That is how they feel. So how do you, how do you come to a better place? Do you do that by banning a group outright Or do you do that by trying to have some conversations? And do you then say, who are we banning? You know, which officers or police people, who wants to march in the pride parades? Is it the hard ass who's giving people a lot of problems? Or is it maybe officers who want to be part of the change from the inside? Is it officers who are working to bridge some of the divides we see? And now do they just feel further ostracized from the community being told you were not wanted here? I think that outright bans are seldom the right answer. I think, as I said, it needlessly ostracizes people in groups of our community where now we say, well, we have become the oppressors. If we are banning people from participating in pride parades. Pride is all about celebrating yourself and all people in our community, regardless of what they do for work. And I do think there are good police officers in New York and elsewhere who are LGBTQ, 
who like participating in the Pride festivities and they want to be agents for change. But now how can you be an agent for change when you are shunned? So that's my take on that. Another year of kind of these semi-virtual celebrations. They canceled Boston Pride. I want to say in late April, they canceled it. It's like, man, if you hung on another month, I think we could have had something here in June. But until next, until the fall, there is Boston Pride. But it's a special month. It just puts a smile on my face. And there's lots of issues to dive to dissect all month long. We'll be doing it here on the Sports Kiki Podcast. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next week, probably with a guest, so don't you worry. Uh, hopefully you did check out the uh, Changing the Game doc that we highlighted on the show last week. It was a great look at some of these very brave trans athletes. Uh, as always, if you have any show suggestions, topic ideas, hit me up on Twitter. My DMs are open against my better judgment. At AlexReamer1 is my name. That again is at AlexReamer1. So long, everybody. I'll talk to you next, next Saturday.